0: Would you turn with me to John chapter 6? John chapter 6. We're headed to verses 34 through 40. And some of you have been journaling along as we've been going through John chapter 6. And, and I think we're going to keep this up. I hope you'll, you'll keep it up. Or if you haven't started, I hope you'll start. I hope you'll take God's Word. And I've been trying to. I haven't been guaranteeing that the passage I give you to journal will be the one that we'll be studying. Um, I try to to prepare ahead and say, I think this is where we're going to be next week at this time. And it's, that's a tough thing to do when you when you start studying. Sometimes you see so much you you need to teach on, and you can't always hold to that. But but I hope you'll join us if you haven't already, and and, and grab a notebook or a journal or a piece, or even just a piece of paper, and write out the scriptures. Uh, the week ahead, if you're able to do that, if you're able to, to write uh, write out by hand to, to help you slow down and think about and meditate on God's word, let's read God's word together. I want you to look at your copy of God's word as I read from mine. Follow along. John chapter six, verses thirty-four through forty. And they said to him, "Sir, give us this bread always." Jesus said to them, "I am the bread of life." Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven on the last day. Now, those who'd come to Christ, those who had—they well, hadn't come to Christ in the sense that we're going to see this morning when we talk about what it means to come to Christ. But those who had—who had come to Jesus, following Him after the previous day's big event. Remember what the big event was? It was the feeding of the five thousand men plus women and children. It was a huge crowd. And here now, speaking to Jesus, they have come to Jesus, asking Him questions. And we noted it last week, they came with an unrealistic demand. you remember what that was? Their unrealistic demand was that they wanted Jesus to prove Himself to them. They wanted a sign. And specifically, they wanted the sign that was like the 40 years of manna. That they said... You know, they, they said came from, well, their fathers said came from, not from God, they, said they didn't give credit to God, they said it came from a man, right? And they gave credit to, to a man, but the, the man was a messenger, right? Remember, and Jesus points it out very clearly to them in the passage we noted last week, they wanted Jesus to prove Himself by giving them a, a permanent, permanent supply of, of bread, much like what the Israelites had in the desert for forty years, although they didn't want it to end at forty, they wanted it to go on indefinitely. And they and they said, "Just give us a sign." What sign do you do? And they were thinking, as they because they had been taught this, that the Messiah would come and and give them bread like they'd had in the desert, like the Israelites their their ancestors had had in the desert for forty years. The Messiah would come along and give them an, an eternal supply of bread. Now who doesn't like bread? I was thinking about it this week do you know anybody that doesn't like bread right I mean you you don't you like bread right I like bread you like bread we yeah who doesn't like bread? I've never met anyone who doesn't like bread and of course um, they needed food and we need food so it's not unrealistic for them to want food to want to to, to feed themselves, they certainly needed to eat, right? They needed to survive physically. They, they needed food for their bodies. But Jesus hadn't come to give them an unlimited supply of manna or bread. He hadn't come to give them an unlimited supply of physical food for their bodies, for their physical beings to, to help them live Longer, live to see the next day, month, week, year. Jesus hadn't come to give them an unlimited supply of physical food that sustains physical life for a time. And bread does that. It does sustain physical life for a time. It's it's important that we eat. Jesus had come to give something far better though. Hadn't He? Jesus, Jesus had come to, to be the bread. He hadn't come to give Temporary bread, a bread that only satisfies for a period of maybe just a few hours. He came to be the bread of life, that bread that brings eternal life to all who believe. And and last time we saw it, that Jesus had just finished saying in verse 33 that, look at verse 33, that the bread of God, the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they were thinking about physical food, and Jesus says, no, 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 the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So so naturally, they, they realize now He's not talking about physical food. And they, they now understand Him to be speaking of Himself and their spiritual concerns, right? I mean, now they get it. Now that dawns on them. No, they don't. They still don't get it because the next thing they say, look at verse 34. We started with it this morning. Look at verse 34 again. They still don't get it because they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. You realize they don't understand. They still aren't grasping what Jesus is telling them. They're still thinking of physical food, food for the body. Food that nourishes for a, a, a short period of time. But but they want him to give it to them always and forever so they don't have to search for food they're, they're just not hearing him. You would think that they would get it by now. You'd think that they'd understand and he's being very patient and gracious with them. So why aren't they getting what Jesus is telling them? Why aren't they understanding? And you may have run into this before. You might have a, a dear friend or even a, a, a family member that you've shared the gospel with. You share the, the, the love of Christ with. You've told them about how Jesus Christ has worked a work in your soul, saved you, and you you want them to have that same salvation for themselves, and and yet they just don't get it. Or you could be like, you could be like my uncle. For years and years, I've told some of you this story before. My my Uncle Bill, who for years my dad would witness to him and he would almost threaten physical violence if he didn't leave him alone. And then, after years and years of praying and witnessing and just living a godly example in front of him, his, his believing wife passed away from breast cancer and it wasn't long after that he gave his life to Christ. And we rejoice as a family. And then after that, he said, "How come you didn't tell me more?" <laughs> it was like because didn't, we didn't want you to kill us, you know. It's like, how come you didn't keep telling me, right? Why weren't they getting it? Why don't people get it when we tell them about Christ and the love of Christ and this forgiveness of sins and, and eternal life? Why don't people get it? You know why? Because they're still. Spiritually blind. They're still spiritually blind. It's the spiritual blindness of heart and mind that 1 Corinthians 2.14 says is the state of the natural person, meaning the person who doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 2 says the natural person, the person without the Holy Spirit, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And you can identify with that when you try to tell an unbeliever who's not getting it, because that's foolishness, right? It's folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Jesus is telling them things that are spiritually discerned and they're not discerning them. They're not getting them because they're spiritually blind. They can't understand because they don't have the Holy Spirit opening their eyes, opening their spiritual hearts and minds and eyes. And they're they're so short-sighted that Jesus very graciously simply tells them this. Look at verse 35. He makes it, Point blank, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Now, we've already, I think we all agree, we all need food to live, right? And in about five minutes or maybe ten minutes, our stomachs are going to start growling because the, 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 the smells from downstairs are going to start wafting up the stairs here. If you can't smell it already. And our bodies tell us it's time to eat. Right? You're hungry. Your stomach growls. And, and and I've noticed as I get older, if I if I wait too long, I start feeling sick. You get that way? And I start feeling a little bit lightheaded. If you you know if you don't get a, a meal in you, if I go long enough, then that goes away. But I really don't know what that feels like because I usually don't wait. Right? You don't wait either. Because I don't want to, you know, keel over or something. I'm going to feed myself, right? And we feed ourselves. We need food. We like to eat. We all need food to live. They needed food to live. And with that most basic thing, bread, Jesus identifies himself as the bread of life. Jesus is making it very clear to them that there's something far more important than food for the body. And that something is the food for the soul that is Jesus Christ. He's talking about Himself here, and He says it very clearly, very plainly, I am the bread of life. So when Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, that makes it clear too. When He goes on to say here in verse 35, look at it, that whoever comes to Me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in Me shall never thirst. He's not talking about food for the body. We understand that because he says, I am the bread of life. He's not talking about food for the body, which can never really satisfy for more than a few hours. But he means food for the soul. Now, we understand that food for the body doesn't satisfy for more than a few hours, right? Because we pretty much arrange our day around our meals, don't we? And we... Don't go too long without eating food. Now, the other day, we had some cookies. I think Carolyn made them. Maybe one of the kids made them. You know, these wonderful, wonderful cookies that I could not get Joey to eat. Joey says he didn't like chocolates. I'm like, Joey, you've got to have one of these. Really good. He's like, no. Like Man, I ate it. And I thought, I've got to eat the whole, the whole batch. In fact, people, these are so bad, you shouldn't eat one. I'll take a bullet, okay? I'll eat all these because they are so good. Now, I ate that and I was so satisfied. I think I had one at that point. I had one. And I, and I was like, that was so good. I don't know why it was so good. It was kind of weird. But it was really, really good. The weird thing was is that just a few hours after that, I was hungry again. As good as that cookie was, as good as the meal was that I had before that cookie, I was hungry again in just a few hours. Are you like that too? And here are these people saying, Jesus, give us food. And Jesus says, food doesn't satisfy. You're not going to be happy with with food for the body. You need food for the soul. And the food for the soul that is Jesus is really, when we really get right down to it, and we were really honest with ourselves, food for the soul is what we really want. The psalmist paints this picture for us of the soul that hungers and thirsts for God. Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Psalm 63, 1. O God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek You. My soul thirsts for You. My flesh faints for You as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And while not everyone would articulate that what they really hunger for is God in terms like the psalmist does, the truth is That the human soul longs for something or someone greater than themselves. The human soul longs to to have a God. You know, that's obvious in the way our world, think about how our world idolizes sports personalities. Think about how our world idolizes movie personalities. And believe it or not, the world we live in even idolizes political personalities at times, right? Because we're all grasping for something that's greater than ourselves, to attach ourselves to, but but what the soul needs is not a hero. The soul needs a savior. See, a hero can only give you someone to mimic, to admire. But a Savior cleanses you for all eternity from the sin that you cannot cleanse from your own life without Christ. What the soul needs is a Savior. Of course, that Savior is Jesus Christ, the bread of life which verse 35 makes clear, satisfies forever the hunger and thirst and longing of the soul. But note what Jesus says is required of those who wish to never again hunger. What's required of those who wish to never again hunger or thirst spiritually? Verse 35, Jesus says, whoever comes to me, whoever comes to me, shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me, shall never thirst. Jesus says, whoever comes to me, think about that. Whoever comes. Whoever comes to me shall never, never hunger. What does it mean to come to Christ? What does it mean to come to Christ? J.C. Ryle says, it means that movement of the soul which takes place when a man feeling his sins and finding out that he cannot save himself, hears of Christ, applies to Christ, trusts in Christ, lays hold on Christ, and leans all his weight on Christ for salvation. When this happens, a man is said in scripture language to come to Christ. Beautiful picture of what it means to come to Christ, I think, in scriptural, biblical picture. and, And that rightly describes what we call repentance. You see, one comes to Christ when they repent of their sin. Which means they agree with God about their sin. See, God knows your sin is wrong and God condemns your sin. And because your sin is wrong and because your sin needs to be punished and deserves to be punished, God Punished Jesus. And when you repent of sin, you say in your heart, you say in your mind, I, "I, yes, I am a sinner and I'm going to agree with God about my sin that I am a sinner in need of saving and I cannot save myself. So when you repent of your sin, you, you agree with God about your sin and then and then you come to Christ and you understand that That though you deserve punishment, you will not receive punishment when you repent of your sin and believe in Jesus. So you repent of your sin, turning from sin and turning to Christ. And that is coming to Christ. Now, what about the statement, believe? That's the second thing that's required of the person who wishes to, to never again hunger or thirst spiritually. Jesus says that whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Well, when you come to Christ... You're repenting of sin, right? We've established that. You're you're repenting of sin when you come to Christ, turning from your sin. Repentance is a turning from sin. And it's a belief in Christ that is a turning to Christ. It's not enough merely to turn from sin. You realize that you could try to turn from sin and actually not turn to Christ in the process. And that's not true repentance. True repentance must be both. It must be a turning from sin and a turning to Christ, believing in him. And so Jesus says, whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You could try to turn from sin, right? You might say, well, I'm not a bad person. People say I'm a pretty good person. They like me a lot. I I do good things. I do nice things. But I know that there's a couple of things that I could probably change, and I'm just going to try to change those things and be better. I'm going to turn from those things. But if you don't turn to Christ, Jesus says, those those are like filthy garments cast off you try to be good go ahead try to be good but that's not good enough you can never be good enough for for god because you are sinful and he is sinless and so he sent his sinless son jesus christ to be the bread of life to take the punishment for your sins and mine so that so that we wouldn't have to try to be better <laughs> so that we don't have to try to measure up, because we can't. It's impossible to measure up to God's standard of perfect holiness and righteousness.